Hello and welcome to It's All in Your Head, a mental health podcast. My name is Eli Henry. I'm your host. Before we get started today, I just want to let you know that if you or someone you love is finding it hard to go on, needs someone to talk to, uh, you can always call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Uh, The number is um, 800-273-TALK. That's 800-273-8255. It's always a good idea. Don't be afraid. Reach out for help if you need it. This is episode one. Uh, Last week, episode zero was a brief introduction to me, to the ideas behind the show, and uh, how it was all going to work. But this is the real deal. We're getting started. And I I couldn't have asked for a better first guest uh, than Davey Detail, who we have on the show today. He's a visual artist, very talented guy, very eloquent. He has a very interesting way of looking at at uh, mental health, and I think it's it's going to be a great episode. I'm really excited for you to listen to it. I, I had struggled with how I was going to release these episodes. You know, I'd recorded a lot in a short stretch of time, and I, I was tr- going to try and plan to release them in some interesting way, and then I realized, you know what, I'm just going to release them in the order I recorded them, because I grow as I interview and I learn things and I reference things so it just felt like a good idea to do it that way and one of the things I like about Davey being the first guest is how we met I met Davey at a friend's uh, barbecue or a birthday party rather uh, around Memorial Day and uh, it was just after Memorial Day weekend and we were uh, just talking and and you know he was wondering about what I do and what you know I was getting up to, and because this was fresh in my mind, I was about to start doing it, I uh, told him about it, and we just started talking about mental health, and it was nice because I, I don't know him very well. I didn't know him, I should say. So we had this very natural way of getting to know each other, which I think comes across in the episode very nicely. And as I said in episode zero, th- this show is enjoyable to me because it's really just getting to know people conversation you know you get to listen in on people learning about each other and because I didn't know Davey uh, I had all sorts of questions for him that you know I guess I wouldn't have thought to have for people I know very well so in future episodes I forced myself to write out these ideas and these questions for people even though you know I do know very well from an angle of not knowing them And, and so this really does set the tone for for me in terms of how I go on with the episodes and how I want them to go across. So I'm very happy to share this with you. Uh, I'm excited for you to listen to it. One quick correction I would like to make, though, before we uh, get into the episode. I um, refer to the podcast The Mental Illness Happy Hour at one point, but I mistakenly say it's hosted by Phil Gilmartin when the man's name is Paul Gilmartin. Um, My apologies to Mr. Gilmartin. It's a fantastic podcast. If you like this show, you will absolutely like that show. It's uh, a... Terrific. It's been on for a while. So that's the Mental Illness Happy Hour. I recommend you give it a listen. Uh, but without further ado, I, I, I'm I very excited for you to listen to the very first episode of It's All in Your Head with Mr. Davey Detail. Enjoy. It's all in your head. It's all in your head. It's all in your head. It's all 
Thank you for being here. Thank you, Eli. It was a pleasure meeting you the other night. Yes. Um, just for context, I met Davey the other night at a friend's party. Uh, was telling him about the podcast, and he so graciously agreed to be a part of it. Uh, so how, how are you doing today? Uh, I think I woke up with a general malaise, <laughs> which is pretty. <laughs> you and me both, man. I think that's the idea. I think that's kind of the through line of my mental um, condition right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where I think I spent a lot of time trying to specify, like really trying to wrap my head around what the fuck is going on, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And I'm finding some comfort despite the malaise that like, I don't really know. Yeah, okay? exactly. So exactly. Yeah, you know, that's it. I, I had a conversation with somebody at a, at a party uh, Labor Day weekend, you know, barbecue. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he just graduated from seven year philosophy program and I've been watching this series of videos called crash course and they have a thing on philosophy. And I was talking to him about how my general belief is like, I like talking philosophy. I like talking about everything, but at the end of the day, like, what does it apply to me? You know, like we can talk about, is there a God? Maybe, you know, if the, okay, if the world, if the big bang theory is correct and we came from an infinite object that exploded, what happened before, blah, blah, blah. We can get into it. But then. At the end of the day, I was like, you know, but I've got laundry to do. <laughs> I don't know. And he said that apparently that makes me a continental philosopher. Oh. Apparently that, like. Continental philosopher? Is which, that a new age kind of term? I have no idea. I thought, I, you know, at first I was like, what does that mean? A philosophy of breakfast? Is that what that is? Uh, uh, apparently it's just how does it apply to me? the Motel 6 with the croissants. Yeah. What is a croissant? Um, but <laughs> I understand. The French donut. That. So, uh. Let's talk more about your condition. So, so what do you have? Uh, so, I mean, when I was born, you know, I, genetically I inherit, inherited Tourette syndrome mm-hmm. and the way it's been in my whole family. So my father has it. My grandmother has it. That's as far back as we know. She was adopted, so we don't really know right. any more than that. So that's genetic. And so that's a neurological condition. Um, and we all have it in like motor tics so it's like in manifest in our body so it's like in voluntary movements that in my experience can be suppressed right (laughs) or at least like for me it's been like i've and i don't know if i just think like i've been able i was had so much shame around it Mm -hmm. that i developed the ability to suppress out of like not wanting to be seen as defected or what whatever, are your you know? uh, what are your ticks currently so it's like a whole it's an interest been an interesting process because it it will it will stay isolated generally in one area of my body has mm-hmm. been like my experience through it so right now it's been more in my upper right shoulder blade and that could last for a year like i and then I don't it changes know. and then it could change and i have no idea why it changes or where it's gonna change to huh. um so does that ever uh, uh, happen when you're working? Oh yeah. Does it fuck with your work or, or? Well, this is basically my process of releasing the ticks is generally like when I'm alone, mm-hmm. and of course it's exaggerated when I'm uh, thinking. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so and I spend a lot of time in critical thought. Right. You know so that um generally doesn't help and i could tell you in times of stress like i've had bouts where it's 
because I don't know any other way, I just have to accept it. But it, mm-hmm. it it's really fucking crazy. <laughs> so, and just for context, I mean, we're going to get into this more in a second. But Davey is a, an artist, visual artist. He works uh, in a, a, a group called Circle, C-Y-R-C-L-E. Uh, so are you right-handed, left-handed? Right-handed. Right-handed. So like when you have a tick and you're by yourself working, uh, how does that affect what you do? Like, do you have to start over? Do you have to cover it up? Do you just incorporate? <laughs> well, if I were, if my process was like a, a like a abstract expressionist or just an expressionistic mm-hmm. painter that went real loose, conceivably that would be probably a really beautiful therapy. Yeah, right. <laughs> But it's not been my experience and is not how I create. You know? So you suppress so, it when you work? Is basically yeah, so if I am, yeah, because I do a lot of my initial design on the computer, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's, I have the ability, if I were to, right, yeah, if I were to say, fuck up the movement, like I can be yeah, control Z. So I've been able, in that sense, to be able to uh, not, ex, you know, run with the, that, you know? Exactly. Um, so... But how it affects me? Yes. I'll tell you this. So like, because I could then hyper fixate on the problem and the discomfort, then what I'm finding now in my life where I'm trying to create space in my head via meditation and other tools that I'm using to just create a little distance from what is actually happening, because if I'm not if I if I'm if I don't have any space in my mind, then what's affected is that the work is suffering because I'm not really there. In it, <laughs> you know. So that's the biggest downside that I I notice. You know. Uh, well, that's that's fascinating to me. I'm curious. Um, so beyond Tourette's, yeah. uh, you also have other uh, comorbid uh, conditions. Mental, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so tell me a little bit about that. So you know, I have. ADD since I was a kid before it was ADHD and like you know there's a lot of hoo-ha around that back when it was just shut up sit down yeah Yeah. (laughs) but like for sure I'm a real ADD kid like you know Mm. what I mean so that's real and of course so I was actually given I was medicated as a child eventually through um I took clonidin for Tourette's which is a basically all Tourette medication is off-label um there's no really direct drug i think there were a, a couple attempts you know right. really psycho psycho meds um so i took clonidin which is like a heart pressure like drop dropping the heart pressure kind of thing of so whatever somehow so maybe it worked maybe i don't really know i have no like context to gauge when i was a kid what i was like you know i just it's, rem- it's hard you're still developing yeah you know yeah. so i did take that for a while and as i got in and I, uh, so when I, and I was taking like, uh, you know, I don't know what Ritalin or, like Ritalin or something for a while, but I remember reaching a point, like, as I started to become like an early teen where I was like, I don't want to fucking be the, and it was a patch. It was like this patch. Right. And I was like, what if I'm with some chick? And she's like, you got this What's patch. patch so like you? all this shame, I start to realize like in time is why I would negate like treating shit. I, I think that's true with a lot of people. You know, so then it was like, fuck this patch, and I'd start taking the patch off, and eventually I just made a conscious decision, I guess, at some point that I didn't want to take uh, medication and stuff. And, like, I guess I was somewhat able to... I don't remember having a really... Uh, most of my high school years, like, I was having... I was enjoying my <laughs> my teens. Okay, yeah, exactly so like, right. 
you know, and I'm grateful for that, you know. Yeah, and ADD but, can be enjoyable. Yeah, it's and it's I only also, when you're an adult and you've got responsibilities yeah. that ADD becomes a yeah. real problem. And it was like, as a teenager, sure, fuck it, go fuck ride it. bikes. I was a thing. skateboarding kid. I fucking was all into music and like, you know, and I was into art. I was heavy into art, so I had a lot of releases. I had good friends. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it really wasn't affecting me as much. Right. You know, so. And beyond ADD, do you yeah. have a, a so so that, so what I think happens is because I wasn't born with general anxiety disorder mm-hmm. or general you know uh, well, you're born Jewish so <laughs> well, you're already <laughs> fucked there genetically right mixing those the Jew with the Jew syndromes but you know I think like over time it's insidious what happens yeah. and then one thing leads to another and like a little tangent here would be like this metaphysical healer I was talking to regardless if I believe what she's talking about I like the idea of it sure. where she believes that through like resentments you know through her really fucking gnarly story uh gave herself cancer okay so right. there are some truths to that, which like science could back up, at least in the idea that like well, abusing yourself chemically. Yeah. Or, or even not just like the, your thoughts can manifest illness. You know what I mean? And there is some truth to it. And it's not to say that what we have is a result of our thinking. But it's definitely to say that it can make things it can make matters worse. Well, I, 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 I'll disagree with the concept that it can give you illness thoughts can give you illness like in a physical sense but i do agree fundamentally with the idea that thoughts in certain ways can uh, manifest themselves in mental illness speaking of which i realized i completely forgot to turn off the ac so those of you at home just know that it's a hot day here in los angeles it is um but nevertheless so anyways the point of all that tangent was is like it just helps inform me in another way of this is why okay Mm. because on a spiritual aspect which is i subscribe to that kind of space right now and and so um it's her belief that it's more like a reincarnation kind of idea where like you come into this existence choosing situationally everything where it gets fucking weird is when you're like oh so you're a baby that gets molested and fucking right bombed out so whatever but i don't want to like entertain the point is i'm just applying it to my experience and being like, so maybe I chose my parents. Well, there it is. I, it's that continental philosophy idea of like, yeah. I mean, whatever, sure. Like, but here what, we are. why it helps me is because then it, it be, it's like, okay, so maybe I chose all these conditions. And what's the point of choosing them? Instead of suffering and being a victim of, of that choice. Right. <laughs> which is a crazy idea, okay? And it's not the only thing I believe in. It's just one thing. That, sure, sure, sure. So maybe I'm not a victim. and I don't have to stay in that victimized role. And be like, what can I do with, with what I have and what can I learn and what can I give back? Right. Do you know what I mean? Right, right, right. To create some hope in, in, the, in these situations, you know? So, uh, I, I guess, so, when did you first start, you know, doing art? When did that first come up? Was that in your teenage years? No, way before. Way before. Like, it was like the, you know, the kid that just liked to draw and shit. And then I, like, my mom called me Tape Boy for a while because I'd take mm-hmm. tape and fucking make tape sculptures and then you know and, and like, was it always your plan to do that as the, a profession yeah, or, yeah. Or, or yeah 100 percent, you know but i also had like a grandma and a dad and like an extended family that would be willing to pay for my education so they were That's like yeah. well there was no really like no one understood art in my family so it was more just like i mean my grandparents were like 
very traveled, so they respected sure, art. Sure. But the idea of like you got to make money, right? So it was exactly. like if we're gonna pay for some education, find something to apply the art to. So I went to Art Institute, a trade school, basically, to learn graphic design and apply that. You know? And, and uh, did you work in that field for a while? I did, but I didn't work in that field out of school. I was very much like a fucking dreadlock living in the Bay. Right. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like right. making music and making art, but I had this skill set. So like I would make flyers for people or whatever just to get by so I could cultivate my craft. Because I never had really any intention to no, do course. anything other than like, dope, let's get like... The computer's a cool tool. It's like fucking work around in here, and you know. And that's great. I mean, that's 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 really fortunate that you had that. Uh, yeah, um, it's a blessing. In that I mean, sense, I, you know? I I'm in the same boat. I mm -hmm. was lucky enough to have a family that was very supportive uh, of my art, but they, you know, pushed for an education. Yeah, I mean, they definitely saw like you know I did I excelled in art in high school, so it was like I right. took AP classes. I, were you? I had a class that had no fucking teacher, and I went at seven in the morning. Right, exactly. So that if that tells you anything about high school, and kids. was that the same? Were you different with every other class? Like were you not as involved in any? Like were you? I mean, my other classes I, I did okay art? in school just because of my upbringing was just like, you know, and yeah, I mean, not to say that I, I didn't fuck around, but. I was able to pass, okay? Right, exactly. <laughs> and, like, if I, like, math was not my subject, but I'd, like, fucking get a C, you know? Yeah, so yeah, I know like, what you mean. You and me both. Mm -hmm. So, you said you've been doing art since you were a kid. And I, I, I have, you know, I've got some scribbled down questions mm -hmm. that I'm sticking in. Now, one of the questions I was going to ask you is, do you feel like, does your art, I, I'm rambling here, but I went, I went on your website and I took a look around at circle.com, C-Y-R-C-L-E.com. And uh, I see there's the, um, you know, each exhibit's got its own description. And I'm not going to pretend I'm the most cultured when it comes to art. I like art. I go to museums. I look. Uh, but I always, I, I read the descriptions of pieces and paintings. And, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, cool, I got this. Sometimes you're like, oh, fuck off. What is that? <laughs> like, it's a giant picture of a, a, it's, you know, blue and red and then blue. And it's like, it symbolizes the extremes. And you're like, okay. But on yours, you know, th there's one exhibit that, uh, you know, we were talking about earlier before we started recording called Nothing Exists. Uh, and I, I looked at that and I, I read the description. So do you write these descriptions? And if so, do you come up with them, you know, beforehand, before you start working on the pieces? And do you kind of come up with that thesis and then start doing it? Or is it one of those things where you start kind of working on something and then notice a pattern coming up? The title always initiates the creative process. And the title is then a concept, right? So the actual, I always hate the artist statement at the end of the description because it never can justify the complexity and depth of what we're really trying to communicate. And I'll be like, honest enough to say I'm creating and I really know what the fuck I'm doing. Sure, you know what sure, I mean? Exactly. So I just know that there's this intrigue and maybe it's philosophical or hybrid with some spiritual ideals. It's very just like, what the fuck is this idea? And I'm really interested in polarities. Mm -hmm. And it, and the more I realize why is also that I work with Rabbi who's my partner. So it's like we're a yin yang in itself and mm -hmm. we couldn't be more different yet what we share is kind of like at the moral level i guess is right. where we really relate do you feel like you work through shit within the work that you do with each other yeah and maybe it's not 
exactly in the work, but it's just the processes of life and like what comes up and our uh, willingness to work through the problem, you know? So that idea of starting from the title and starting from mm -hmm. the concept, when did that start for you? Because if you started as a kid doing this art stuff, I imagine, I feel like, you know, in improv, which I've, I've mm. done a bit of in my life, you know, you watch kids do improv, there's no, they're amazing at it because there's no judgment within themselves. There's no worried about how they come across. They're just doing it. And then it's later in life that they start to judge and figure it out. Mm. So for you, was it this thing where as a kid you were just doing and then at a certain point God, it switched? That's like a profoundly, that's, um, to hear that right now and where I am in my process is really beautiful to hear because it's what I, it's where my resistance lies mm. and what is a process that no longer serves me or like what, how did it come to be that way? And not to say that it's good or bad or indifferent. It's right. just that like, I'm finding a lot of resistance in that space right now. And, um, maybe it's that I, I desire to improv a little more right now in, in my process. And there's a fear around it because it's been a while, <laughs> you course, know what I mean? Right. And that conditioning. And when you say, you know, and I was even in like a psychotherapy session where like, I was expressing to her my resistance, my anxiety. I also tell you another condition I have is nail biting, which mm -hmm. is like a oral compulsion. I do, I do that as well. And I'm like, it's been really, it's always been bad, but like it's been, it gets even worse when I'm in like a lot of resistance. So again, to go into the process of creating when it's real heady and fucking mm -hmm. intellectual, then it's a lot of thinking. And in that thinking space, there's no fucking resolution because it's just like, yeah. well, another philosophy on another philosophy. And it's like, yeah, when yeah, yeah. do I just fucking let go and then create something, you know? So the irony of it is, is that I'm finding my therapy through it right now is I've always improv, not just in the visual realm. Like I used to write music, uh, but I would freestyle a lot. Right. And now I'm finding myself freestyling, not even in the uh in rhyme anymore i'm just yeah. fucking telling non-bullshit narratives that have no narrative just and there's no through line stream, and I, of, stream I, of consciousness i could do that shit for an hour yeah. i had friends over like three girlfriends and my homie and i'm like sitting under my coffee table like a fucking weirdo <laughs> just telling a story you know to everyone that has no purpose or point except that it's just this release you yeah know? why not and um so yeah like uh I'm sorry, tangenting, but um, yeah, I do that a lot. <laughs> what was the meat of this? Well, I get the, the, the question was like, you know, was there a moment where oh, yeah, you started yeah. to switch from just doing to coming up with a concept first? And then yeah, so um, just to finish with the psychotherapy, she, I expressed the resistance. She's like, do you know when this started? And it was specific to the nail biting because I was like, you know, I'm, I'm particularly like the symptom that's really fucking with me is that. Right. But that's not really what's going on. There's more underneath it, you know? And so she was like, well, what, maybe you want to, do you know when it started? And, and I was like, I don't know, maybe I was seven and we're like doing this visualization. Right, right. I'm with my seven year old self and I fully like allowed myself to experience it. And here's my seven year old self. And, and she's asking me like, what's going on? I'm like, well, he just put his hand out. I was like, do you want, were you curious? I'm like, yes. I grabbed his hand and he took me around my grandparents' house and he just started drawing. 
And then he walked into the mask room where they had my, my grandparents have masks from all around the world. And it was like, oh, look at that mask. And there was no, the nervous energy that I, I so well know was not there because he, the purity of his free spiritness was just like, no, I want to fucking do this. Yeah. And I want to do that. You know, so like I, it's, it's an interesting time to be talking about this shit because I'm in the process of like, oh, shit. You know, and um, I do, I think, I've never been asked that question the way you did, so it's really amazing to hear it. But I guess what comes to mind is, like, maybe it was, like, the computer. Yeah. <laughs> or that process School. of that schooling and da-da-da, because there was no, like, you know, nurturing of the, like, oh, just let it go. It was very, right. like, regimented and methodical and, like, add that there. And the composition needs to be like that. And maybe... That's all for a reason, because in any in any uh, outlet of creativity, at least in the visual realm, it's like I remember seeing at the Tate Modern Picasso's exhibit, and it's like you know Picasso because it's Picasso, but I don't have any like of like strong emotions towards him because I've never really given myself the opportunity to like get into his work, you know. And, and like never really, even in school, it was not about art history. It was like, you had to take one class. So there's no awareness, but I went to the Tate Modern and there was like this amazing progression to see his still lifes to like the next period to the next period and just like one signifying piece. So it really got me to be be like, oh shit. Yeah. The fundamentals, like you got to fucking suffer through the fundamentals to be able to reach a point that may or may not happen. It's, it's interesting. I feel like. There's that idea of, you know, being a child and not and not having any of that self judgment. Then there was energy. I think there's people who never lose that and crash, mm. and then there's people that lose it, suffer, figure it out, and then come out the other end mm. and and last long. I mean, I might be wrong. Obviously, there's exceptions to everything, but I had a teacher once, um, an improv teacher named Jed Evelyn. Actually, she lives out here now. Very funny woman very talented but she had this thing she said about improv uh which she learned from a karate master but it applies i think to improv and to all art just generally speaking which was like you know there's this this black belt and he talks about when you first start learning karate a punch is a punch you know you do the punch and that's just it but then as you progress in your belts and you become a master a punch stops becoming just a punch and it starts becoming when you turn your fist when you move, mm. when you like, you know, arc your body in a certain way, when you step forward, every inch of it, it slows down, and and it, and you're so wrapped in thought. The punch, this thing that used to be so simple, mm. is is so difficult and insane and hard mm. to process. But then one day, a punch just becomes a punch again. Mm. You know what I mean? You just kind of find it again, and there it is. Yeah. But you had to break it down, and you you know you kind of see the balls moving in the air, and you're able to pick them out. And I think that applies to every kind of art. Yeah. And it's and I, you know I went to film school and it's definitely there you know there was a time where I used to make all sorts of little movies with friends, and they were great you know they were shit but they were great like we we had these ideas we had these raw ideas the fundamentals and then I went to school and I studied and I broke it down and it, I got so bogged down and overthought just being like oh my god what am I doing, and then you know I came out the other end and I'm not saying I'm amazing now but I you know I got my ideas and I I now have that I did the thinking enough to break it down and, and ruin me and now I'm out the other end and I'm able to learn in a way that doesn't hurt mm. as much. I think and I think that's what you're talking about mm-hmm. with that process. It's that childish nature and then coming out the other end of the overthought bubble. And it's such an annoying process. Yeah. But 
Well, because it can be a real debilitating. But the thing is, I'm not, uh, you know, there were moments of, of despair and, and complete hopelessness and, and brokenness in, in this process. I don't experience that right now, but I definitely have my moments where I'm like, oh, shit, and I have different tools to deal with it now. Mm-hmm. But it's still happening, you know what I mean? And so I'm in the throes of it. Um, but one thing when you were talking about, like, when did that happen? So, like, I'll tell you one story where I'm thinking, like, in as I started going to school, I went to, uh, I grew up in Seattle, and then I went to the Art Institute for uh, almost a year, and then I fell in love with this chick in Mexico. That's a whole other fucking weird story. <laughs> Not supposed to do that. But <laughs> followed her to down to Berkeley, and then I ended up transferring to the Art Institute of San Francisco and finished my associate's degree there. That was worth enough. There was enough money for that. So right. I did that. Anyway, so as I, would, I lived in Berkeley and then moved to Oakland and I'd take the BART to the city and this was the time I started to really uh, recognize my Tourette's like uh, as an adult. <clears throat> and that's when I first started to build a conscious shame around it. So I'd be riding the BART train and I would have these black books with me. It's like black books. It's like those drawing like sketchbooks sketchbooks and and like i came up in the graffiti culture so like i I would do that too and i segued away from it but i always had the black book and i'd be riding the bart train and it'd be like rush hour so it's like (laughs) super fucking crowded and i'm convinced everyone's fucking staring at me and my tics you know just all that hyper awareness and shit and i that was the first time i started to express from that space so then I, I still have the books, right? And it'd be like characters of someone I'm seeing is actually me and then like parts of my body and I'm saying like, no, 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 stop looking at me. Like just that whole like very expressive thing. And um, so, and then that was, that was I, rem- I guess I remember that as being pretty therapeutical, you know what I mean? <laughs> In a sense, because it got me at least away from like the fucking despair of that mental space and just like into the did, did anyone the ever um, comment on any of your tics? Like, did anything trigger your being there's self-aware, been, or, or do you been, think that came from anxiety? There's probably like three. There's probably like three times I really can actually admit that like someone noticed. Was it your? Was there a first <laughs> moment, like, or, or did that just come out of no. your own? Yeah, I think it just came out of my own fucking crazy. You know what I mean? Right. And like. I do remember I had a tick for a while that was like, and maybe these are traumatizing, you know what I mean? So I had a tick that was like in my neck and I still have remnants of it, but I'd like flex my neck out and shit. Oh, you know? starfish. It was like hella noticeable. And like, and I remember like I was seeing this girl I was interested in. And I'll tell you that time, like I, I could smoke weed when I was a kid and it was all good. And then I like crossed that weird threshold oh, that like, happens yeah, to people that smoke anymore. weed and then like all your insecurities are like fucking staring at you yeah. in your face. I and call you're it like, you do brain surgery <gasps> on yourself. And still, like I later, another condition I now know is I'm an alcoholic too and mm. alcoholism and all of that shit. But like, I still was like, would still smoke. <laughs> like even right. though I knew, like, it's, I oh, swear, it like this time's full... gonna be different, man. No, I know, it took me a full, <laughs> I went through, you know, periods with, with weed and, and I've got friends that it works great for them and they use it. And, and I, I do think that, you know, there's some people it can be very therapeutic for, um, it, not me, <laughs> but yeah. I, I, there was a time where, you know, I smoked a fair bit and 
uh, at a certain point, I w- it was torture, but I'd still do it. Yeah, you're like, and, how could it be? You know, it all the time. And then it, it got to a point where it was actually fairly recently where I, w- I went to a friend's poker game and I hadn't smoked in a while. Oh, yeah. But they were all smoking and I smoked and I was like, ah! <laughs> you know, ah! <laughs> totally know that and, terror, and, and, man. And, I was like, okay, maybe that was a fluke because it's not the weed I'm used to. Yeah. And the next night I went and I, I smoked some weed that I knew to be like, I've had this before. And I was like, oh, this is a nightmare. And then I got rid of any of the weed that I had around. Yeah. And that was it. And I have, n- and now I'm, I'm comfortable. Like it's no longer one of those things where I'm at a party and someone's like, you want a hit of this? I'm like, nope. like nope. Even if it's the coolest person in the world. I was at the, no. the premiere yeah. for the show I just finished uh, a couple days ago. And one of the guys in the cast, super cool dude, was like, you want a hit of this? I'm like, I certainly do not. Yeah. <laughs> I have no desire you to impress you. You can say with conviction now like, that, like, yeah. Because it's either, it's either I, like, smoke it and try to be cool and then, like, That's a lot of worry work. that you have a million eyes that mm-hmm. I didn't know about or I stand here and deal with my normal anxiety and yeah, worry yeah. about it later. Totally get that. So I think I was, like, high. <laughs> yeah. And with this girl, she's, like, driving me back from, from Frisco to Oakland to my house, and she – and and then I'm hyper aware, right? So then I think she made, I don't even remember, it was like some comment about like grandparents and their necks, you know? And I was like, oh my God, fucking, she, she sees me, <laughs> you know? Like, and it's like that whole just bizarre, like, and then I can't get out of that space. And then it's just happening. And then it's happening and it's like, oh my God. And the, But there was no real like comment and not that it even matter. Like that was like, is there something wrong? Or, and then I didn't have the ability to be like, oh, are you talking about da da da? Because I actually have a condition. Right. Because I wasn't brave enough at the time to be able to announce that. And plus with a, a condition like Tourette's, I imagine there's a certain uh, worry about, I mean, there's a stigma there because someone, totally. you, you say you got Tourette's, someone goes, oh, fuck shit, fuck, piss. Fuck, shit, fuck, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I can definitely see the uh, hesitance to open up about that. Yeah. One thing I'm curious about is I, I feel like with Tourette's it must be tough because especially when it is a physical tick for someone to say, hey, you're doing this thing. It would be like for me, I've got bad anxiety and often cases social anxiety. It would be like if somebody just looked at me and was like uh, – you know, I, if I thought in my head, like, this person hates me, and they're like, I don't hate you, I'd be like, ah, what? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's, it's very naked. It's very, you know, and, and my therapist talks about loops, you know. Mm. Yeah. Anxiety, depression, they come in loops, loops. and medication yeah. closes those loops. Mm-hmm. But for those of you listening, if you don't have any of these conditions, uh, first of all, nice. Uh, second of all, uh, the way these loops work is, you know, you might think, you might text somebody and go, oh, no, they're not responding, I shouldn't have texted them. It's fine. I'm making a problem. But then you think that over and over and over and over and over again. About a million times in about a minute period. So those are those loops that just occur. And that's where panic comes from and where a lot of depression stuff comes from. So I, I can only imagine with Tourette's to be caught in a tick would be terrifying. Mm-hmm. Because it's like being caught in a loop. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I can't, can't imagine it's easy to explain, oh, I have a thing. Because then the other person's going to feel bad because they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Or they're going to have a lot of questions. And then it's like, I'm happy to deal with these questions, but not when I'm in the middle of a panic attack. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly the idea. And that's basically the through line with most conditions, you know what I mean? And, like, and um, you know, like, so there is some certain traumas around that for sure. And, like, now um, I have, and I don't do it all the time, there are there's been pivotal moments in the last few years where at a group level 
you know, to people that don't have the condition at all, I'm able to express that, you know, and, um, Absolutely. and that's a beautiful like progression, like in letting go of things and getting into a space of acceptance and being seen naked and vulnerable. A huge thing that happened to me that's a metaphor <clears throat> to all of this because it's look, it's really centered in fear, right? Of course. So I remember, um, fear of vulnerability. Yeah. So <laughs> I was taking this this drug on my own volition, self-medicating, some Southeast Asian coffee bean plant. Like I really had to go to the farthest reaches right, right. <laughs> to where I'm pretty convinced that like I just I'm going to stay off substances. But uh, and that and I've been brought into my knees by way harder drugs. OK, but this one really fucked me up because it was like the last stand. It was like, no, this is going to be the one, you know, and taking this shit. So anyways, like I woke up one night or I had this fucking crazy ass lucid dream during and I knew that like the jig was up like I couldn't fucking manage this shit and I was really fucked up around it. my Tourette's were out of control like it was to pain 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 level you know I was right. like overexerting muscle like oh shit I was so tired and um and I like and I went to sleep that night and like something like try to put their something in my asshole like it was fucking hella this is, this is your dream yeah and I was like, I remember it was so intense, dude. It's like such a vulnerable space. Your fucking butthole, dude. I was like, <laughs> oh my. And I woke up and I was like, no, like absolutely not. And I go back to sleep and like it fucking tries again. And then I like woke up this time. Like I was like, there's a fucking ghost in here. Like it was just so crazy. And then the third, I was just so tired, dude. I just let it happen. And like, I'm not proclaiming I know what happened, but I guess the easiest is like an out-of-body experience or whatever. But the whole thing is, is like, like to say, it it was my astral self. I like to (laughs) get all poetic about it, but looking down at me and, and the trip was, is your astral self looking down at you and trying to fuck you in the ass. Trying to fuck me in the ass. And then it's funny. My friend was talking about that. If that isn't some fucking metaphor. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, so I'm, but here's the thing. So I'm looking at myself and I don't know if I'm actually ticking or if like, this is the lucid dream or what the fuck's going on. But I was ticking. And right when I was about to move my shoulder, I went like halfway into it. And it was like, you're okay. And I pulled it back. And then I did it again. And I pulled it back. Okay. And it was this like really profound moment where I was like, I'm okay. Like, I'm okay. I mean, there's nothing's going to change, but I'm okay. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was understanding of what is. Yeah. I was like, I'm okay. Like I'm safe. I was like in the fucking stars, whatever. That's where I go. And, and I woke up and like made a surrender to the people I love and I know about what's going on. And then I started to seek like more help and from people and stuff like that, you know, but that was like a really pivotal moment for me. You know what I mean? And what happened then, here's the second thing I was really going to talk about is that I like, so this drug made me fuck. I had a detox. I was like crazy withdrawals and shit. And so I was like, I need to go to the fucking Wii spot and like sit in that sauna, you know what I mean? At least like try to like make Sweet it a little ass. softer, you know? And I remember going, I've been to the Wii spot before in the co-ed. 
And I didn't even realize that I had a fear to be fucking naked amongst men in the, like, you know what I mean? Like our generation didn't grow up like that. You know, our parents like fucking, it didn't even matter. That was part of like, it was natural. Old people in the locker room. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. Dick swinging doesn't matter. And it's like, you know, it's not like that. I have a desire to be naked amongst men. It's that I have a desire to be naked and free. Yeah. Okay. So what happened is like, I go there knowing my purpose is to go to the fucking men's sauna. There's, you can't go to the, there's no upstate. I needed like the, the steam room, you know? Right. And the water shock therapy and shit. So I like get there and I'm in the locker room and all my fears are there on top of my fucking intense withdrawal. Like I was just fucked, but I was like, I need to make some change. I got to walk through some fears right now, you know? And I went to the, I still couldn't do it. So I like walked up to the fucking uh, co-ed room and I laid in the balls, the clay balls. And I was like, I am not doing what I need to do right now. Mm-hmm. And I just fucking got up and like walked downstairs. And like, I was like, oh, I know I'll get like a big towel and wrap myself. I was like, there's no big towels. They're all those tiny little, <laughs> fucking, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, fuck it. I'll grab him. I'll use him as a shield. You know, like this is and all then, my, and then that people noticed like, then you were like, when I've ever been in a locker room and I have a small towel, I'm thinking like, everyone knows I'm worried about them seeing. Me. Yeah. So yeah. all of this thing is happening simultaneously. And I go and I put, and I get fucking naked and I put my shit in the locker and I shield it up. And I walk and I'm so uncomfortable and I like open the fucking doors and I was like, there was somebody else who was so like just cut and beautiful man, <laughs> like shielded up. And I was like, fuck that. And I just dropped the towel. That guy's shielding. Yeah. And I was like, fuck it, dude. And I dropped the towel and it was a really, again, it was a really pivotal moment, you know? So, and it's a pro it's progression. Cause now every time Imagine how shitty that guy feels right. And yeah. it's like, I don't want to feel awkward. Like I don't want to f- be in fear. Like I want that purity of you. Okay. Sure. And I, I believe it's possible. We're just, it t- it's going to take a lot of work and it starts with walking through some of the things. And I'll tell you that the practice, it's just like working out, right. You ain't going to get fucking, I don't really want that body, but if yeah. I were, I would have to like repetitively discipline action. So as a result, even in that metaphor, like every time I go, I went 17 times in a row. That's how much I needed that. Amazing. But every time it got a little easier and I'd have more space to be, you know? Well, on that note, let's talk a little bit about therapy and, you know, what, you know, therapy, medication, like what you have done and, and what, what you've worked on through your life. So you said as a kid, you were on Ritalin and you were on the drug for, for Tourette's. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you, when did you start seeing a therapist and, and start doing all that? Uh, so, yeah, it was like therapy back then, but I was like psychiatry. And then what I really remember seeking therapy was when, uh, so I'd be, so another pivotal moment. And this may have been, okay, so I was, I came down to LA. I was offered a job as an art director for this clothing brand and I was like a young dreadlock kid who had no reason to be working with this guy (laughs) who was super LA and all about like yachts and fucking you know clubs (laughs) it was like such a weird like LA incarnate but I but something uh, said like no I want I'm like I want to make this shift so I did it I took the job yeah yeah, and I was broke as fuck and it was finally like let's do this so anyways I worked at this company and it was an amazing experience. It was it, now that I look at it, it as a privilege. It was amazing. You know, somebody believed in me. I was an art director, at like 23. Like, damn, that's dope. 
So the thing is, is like maybe two years into it. So I worked there for three years. Two years into it, I started to notice resistance in the process. Maybe it was sitting down for too long and designing. Maybe it was. You've said resistance a few times. Can you just define what you mean by resistance? Resistance means that like what? That that um. hmm. So I'm not like joyfully compliant with what I'm doing. We got you. Okay. okay. Where most of the time I had that. It's like, fuck yeah, I can't it wait to, to get... It feel like work. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I can't yeah. wait to get down, fucking see where this is going to go. It's like, oh, like I'm not... I don't want... So, so two years in, you felt like... Yeah, so I started to feel that. Around. And because it was a foreign feeling, I was like, wasn't, you know... It wasn't like, it hit me. And I was like, oh, you know, it's insidious, you know? And, and more and more and more. Then there were parts I started to notice that my ego was getting involved because it was like... Like, I would try to sneak my name in because, you know, my ego has really started to get involved. I'll tell you that. Right. Because I see these guys like taking all the shine for everything. You, that was, you wanted like validation. Yeah. Give me the validation, you know, behind closed doors. It'd be like, oh, yeah. Da, 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 da. And then when it comes to them being the accolade. But that was me and my young ego and shit like that. But I needed that rites of passage. And so that was part of the resistance, too. So there were some layers to it. Um, but I stayed in that feeling for about eight months before I even really acknowledged it. And I had a really amazing girlfriend who I love to this day still, super support person. And my friend Jai was visiting and I remember coming home and I was like, God, I don't know what the fuck's going on, but I'm feeling like real fucking uncomfortable at work, you know? And da 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 and, and then I started to use the scapegoat, not scapegoats maybe the wrong word but what i'm aware of is what conditions i have oh maybe it's like my Tourette's and my mental health and da 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 and like da 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 you know and like right. i need to seek you know therapy or psychiatry yeah, or wouldn't something say scapegoat. i think that's an accurate not, not, not a scapegoat yeah. yeah it was an accurate but that's what accurate that's goat. all i knew yeah. you know what i mean that's all i knew so i was like okay so i did that and was I, it helpful well i thought it was like the Tourette's Cause I'm like, maybe it's something going on with the Tourette's, you know? And so I went and saw a neurologist. Like, I don't know if I went to a neurologist. <laughs> like, and I saw him and started to explain what's going on. And maybe, you know, he's like, oh yeah, I think you're depressed too. And da da da. So it's like, you know, some trying some of these medications. I don't remember exactly what they were, but I was trying. And then this is what happened. So I wasn't really experiencing any relief, you know? And I went to the dentist, and I got a root canal, and I was given Vicodin. Uh-huh. Okay? And my work required me to be on the job. Like, you know, it was that kind of job, you know, like art directing, you're fucking working all the time. There's no break. So it was like I had to go to work on the Vicodin. And, of course, the magic happened. I was like, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> I feel great. You know what I'm saying? And that was my journey into addiction. It began there. And it was insidious. Yeah. Because through my youth, and when we talk about alcoholism, it's a mental illness too. Absolutely. And a disease. You know what I mean? And um, so that's another one that I have. And whether or not I had that when I was born or that that manifested, I don't really care to know that. I think I didn't have it when I was born because I could – pick up a drink, put it down. I didn't escape to addic- like, you know, substances. Sure, sure. So, like, so it did uh, progress from that point. But at that point, I started to seek it. 
but it still wasn't like I woke up in the morning and I just blah, 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 blah. It took a while to get to that place, you know, but it did get there. And so during this time, I'm like, oh, shit. OK, well, I'm I didn't fully like just go seek the drugs. I was like, I'm going to seek psychiatry now. And I even told the neurologist and I was like, yeah, man, I took these Vicodins from work and like it made me feel da 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 da. He's like, well, I wish I could prescribe you Vicodin, but da da da, you know. Oh, for God's sake. So then I, <laughs> I, you know, eventually he's like, I think you should see a, a psychiatrist, you know. And I was like, okay. So I saw a psychiatrist and again, I was expressing what's going on. And she was like, well, you took Ritalin when you were a kid. Well, why don't you take, why don't we prescribe you Adderall, Adderall. and see if that works, right? And, and I was not uh, drug seeking. I didn't even remember what Adderall was like for me. So it was still like. Did it work for you? Was Adderall? Well, well yeah. I mean, it, it it worked for me, but but I abused it, you know. Sure. And it starts so. I, I take Adderall. That's why. Yeah, I yeah. But I, I do understand it, it's misdiagnosed a lot, uh, and when it is accurately diagnosed, it's great. But it's super easy to abuse. I mean, yeah, I, and I don't have. I'm not here to like condemn. No, Med- no, medicine no. it up. I just tell you my, my experience, sure. you know what I mean? And I'm and curious to know. Uh, that's why, like, you know, when I meet somebody else on medication that I'm on, I'm always curious to know yeah. how it works for them because I've seen friends who have abused Adderall and it's super easy because it seems like if the fucking pill from what was that movie? The, uh, 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 Limitless. Like, that's what it seems like. But, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, for me, it's just a. I make sure I pay my rent on time. Like, you know what I mean? But there's no, some people no. that take it. It's like, I'm a God. I, I get it. You know? And like, it's dangerous. it did allow me to do those things. Yeah. It did allow me to like fearlessly write an email, like some, some such easy, like normally easy tasks yeah, were right. like so fucking Which large is crazy because that's me. the anxiety. What I found fascinating about Adderall is that, you know, I've got bad anxiety and, Adderall, which is a stimulant, which, you know, inherently prompts anxiety, actually balanced me out in such a lovely way where I was so focused and so, you know, I'm so able to get things done that I'm not anxious. I get it because there's a certain clarity of the mind. So where you can focus on something and then focus on this and then focus on that. I also found myself hyper focusing on things and actually not getting anything done. Right, exactly. So I have- no, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, the way I, I, I look at Adderall and the way I've described it to my psychiatrist is it's kind of like, uh, you know, Cyclops and the X-Men, mm-hmm. how without the visors, he's like, <laughs> and it's going <laughs> wherever. Adderall totally. is like, you've got laser vision, yeah. and it's targeting wherever the fuck. So, like, you know, if I would joke that if I took an Adderall and then it happened to kick in when I was on Facebook, I would Facebook the shit, shit out, out, of, out Facebook. of Facebook. Fuck but so that's yeah. the thing is learning to target and put on those visors. Yeah, totally. Uh, to get back to your point, so, you, you know, you were seeing a psychiatrist, uh, you were put back on Adderall, mm-hmm. and so you started to abuse it. And I'll tell you, when I was put on Adderall, I like had such relief when I took the first pill. Right. And I remember calling my family. <laughs> I remember, call- you know what I mean? I was just like, felt like you figured it out. I figured it. I found the solution to my it's problem. The most dangerous moment in anybody with mental health. Yeah, and um, and so you know it progressed from there. And so where I was able to manage the proper dose that was given, you know, eventually turned into like, well, maybe two more. And cause I'm, st- I, there's still more work to be done or I'm so passionate about what's happening. And like, Oh, don't you like, it's been so long, like to feel like this. So yeah, you know, whatever reasons, but I also learned that that has nothing to do with it for me. Cause I, I, 
I identify with what alcoholism is and, and what were you the drinking disease. At this point? I was drinking and when I say alcoholism it's like substance anything. So just general addiction. Yeah, and in fact like uh there were many other uh, substances that I prefer over alcohol. I just choose to use that word cuz that's the definition right. in the medical journal alcoholism, sure. you know what I mean? Sure. That twofold disease like, you know, so allergy of the body and then we have like the mental obsession um and then you know the the woo-woo part of it is that we suffer from a spiritual malady so that's a whole other thing but <laughs> the point is is like i'm convinced that i can't take a substance that affects me from here up and adderall is one that would do that i could Except take like for those a psych at home, when he yeah. said here up he pointed from his neck up yeah <laughs> so i could take a you know I could take like a psych med or, you know, things like that. Um, but for me, like I can't sustain or manage my usage if I were to take Adderall. Did you um, ever do talk therapy? I know you mentioned a psychotherapist earlier. Uh, like, When did you start going to talk therapy? I didn't start doing that until March 3rd of this year. Uh, that's great. I'm glad. I'm happy you're doing that. Uh, th that's the biggest thing to me that I think is a problem um, in this country is that you know, the first instinct is to see a psychiatrist and they're medical doctors and and they'll start from medication. And I think that, and this is especially for people at home listening, I think a big thing I recommend and, and a lot of people recommend is you should start from talk therapy first and then through discussing with your therapist and finding one you like, if, if then it seems like medication is the right choice, go from there. But always start from a place of talk therapy because you can th throw drugs at stuff, but Drugs are only tools to help make you more uh, stable to talk through and then get through the real progress. Sure. There's no pill that's going to fix you. There's a pill that's going to get you maybe leveled out and then give you the ability once you're even and not going through these wacky periods. Uh, wacky periods! <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's a way to stabilize you so then you can talk through it. That's where real change occurs through conversation. Yeah, I agree with that. So I'm, I'm happy. And has it been beneficial for you to talk there? Yeah, and there are several things that are beneficial to me right now in my life that have radicalized my experience. And what you said is the most important part. Like, uh, I don't know if you said conversation or something, but to me it's connectivity on mm -hmm. a very honest, vulnerable level. Okay, because when we can get to the real rub of what's going on, medication may or may not be necessary, what you're saying, you know, because it's a lot of it centers in fear and conditioning, and it's possible, it's conceivably possible to be able to take contrary action on, on what's going on and work through some of these traumas or these fears or these defects that we have in mm -hmm. our, even in our character or just not knowing what the fuck to do in a situation because we've never been able to verbalize it, you know what I mean, and get to the, like, the root of what's going on. Sometimes it's too late and you might really need some assistance to be able to sustain while you're working through it, and I agree with you on that 100%, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think it's, um, it's important to recognize that difference because my, my therapist... Um, was recommended to me by a friend and so you know he sees him and his girlfriend sees him we all so whenever we get together for drinks we all joke about how we all see the same therapist but there was this interesting thing where you know when I first started seeing him he he recommended you know maybe you should think about medication I was like no no I don't want to do it I don't want to do it until eventually it, it made sense for me and I was like you know what I, I, I need to I was kind of at a point where I couldn't get through the wall but my friend's girlfriend who also sees the therapist 
she was saying that you know he advised her not to take medication, which I thought was interesting because and that's the sign of a really good therapist. And I told her, you know, like look, listen to him. I trust him. It, it, it's not like he's peddling drugs. If he if he was, he would you know tell you, yeah, go get some you know, pills. He's actually giving good advice. So that that's the thing is, if you are seeking a therapist, those of you at home, don't be afraid to shop around. It's like dating, you know. You got to find somebody that works for you, and it, it's very definitely. I mean, Personal. there's doctors and there's doctors, you know exactly. what I mean? And that we don't have much control over that other than asking around and getting some advice in that space. Uh, so I, I want to start to wrap things up. Yeah. Uh, I got a couple quick questions. Uh, what is the best advice you've ever received on how to deal with your conditions? One of the best advices I've ever received is that I'm an alcoholic and there's a solution. Okay, so at least, at least in that space, you know, um, lean into it. Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, meditate has been really big for me. Praying has been really big for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are just, those are some, c- communicate, okay? Yep. Yep. Communicate all the time. Do yep. not be uh, afraid or ashamed or that uh, somebody, or that you're, um, burdening someone you know like honestly communicate and i would add to that just because i mean i i i think of empathy as the most important thing and i would and and on that note i would say that if you do try to communicate with somebody openly and they seemingly shut you down and they're not willing recognize that that's their fear of not being able to do it themselves and don't take that person 100 percent has nothing to do with with you you know what's the worst advice you've ever been given Jesus Christ. Dude. I know. There's a lot of bad advice out there. <laughs> just don't do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just stop doing that. Yeah, exactly. You know? Just stop it. Yeah, stop I don't think it. I agree What's with wrong that. with you? Uh, do you think all artists are inherently crazy? <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds made like me a big fucking yes. laugh. <laughs> no, I don't. No, you don't? I don't. But define artists. You see what I'm saying? Because right. artists, yes. Not the misconception of like a picture maker as being an artist, mm. but yes, an artist in the true sense of the word is fucking. Well, yeah. Why would you be an artist? <laughs> I know that's my whole life. Yeah. Why are we doing this? Yeah, and because I'll dare to say that everyone who who is that sensitive mm. is an artist. And We're, I I want to just say one quick thing, just on the usage of the word crazy. Um, <laughs> I mentioned this at the top of the show, I think, but. Uh, there's a podcast called The Mental Illness Happy Hour by, uh, 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 oh, Jesus, Phil Gilmartin. And um, I recommend it highly. You should listen to it. But he, on a recent episode with um, Andy Berman, said that he, you know, crazy to people with mental illness is like the N-word to black people. It's, uh, we're, we're able to use it. And I use it lovingly. I think I, I call myself crazy, but if you mm-hmm. called me crazy, I'd be angry. So when I say crazy, for all of you at home, don't don't think of it as judgmental. It's a term it's, it's of purely, relatability. It's purely like crazy a, sees crazy. Our word. Uh, what advice do you have for people who have mental health issues, who are afraid to talk about it or afraid to deal with it, especially with regards to their work? What what advice do you have for like a, a young artist with a mental health problem? Yeah, if I were to tell my young self, you know, it would be like, just you know. It, express from that level, you know, and, and accept these conditions as not flaws, but as, 
really beautiful gifts. Absolutely. It's hard to see, you know, when you're in the middle of it, but it really is profound. And, and the hum like the, was it humanizing characteristic of it is actually seen as great strength. You know what I mean? And when people can see that we're all fucking flawed and shit, but that's the beauty in it, it allows, I think, for the greatest art to be made and therefore the greatest reception of the art to be made, you know? Yeah, I've often said that I think that um, mental illness is, in, in a weird way, a superpower. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, because, you know, for those of you listening that don't have mental illness and are trying to listen to, you know, understand maybe a friend or a loved one, first of all, great. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say that um, we've all felt, you know, everyone's felt sad before. Everyone's felt anxious before. These are natural emotions that people without mental illness feel. But uh, the thing is, people with mental illness, we're just really good at it. <laughs> you know, we're really good at being sad. We're really good at being anxious. We're so good at it, we do it, like, to the nth degree. Mm. And I think there's kind of something interesting like, when you boil that down is, is empathy and, and sadness and anxiety these are all coming from good places. It's good. If you're an artist, perfectionism, being a perfectionist is key and being overly invested in your work is key and it's kind of finding that way like it's okay to be anxious about getting a project done right mm. and targeting that anxiety into motivating your work mm -hmm. but it's less okay to be anxious about whether someone texts you back <laughs> or whether you maybe, you know, ordered your coffee wrong or what have totally. you. That's, it's a matter of figuring those things out. Uh -huh. Uh, my last question, what do you think can be done to help end the stigma and to work to fix the state of mental health in our world and, mm. and to push towards solutions? Nothing. <laughs> it's exactly as it's supposed to be. I mean, really? what's happening right now and just this... Um, you don't think we should encourage people to talk more no 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 more. well what i mean by that is that this is it's already occurring you right. know what i mean that like the the continuation of the communication and the openness uh i'm just saying i don't think there needs some big parade on fucking you know it's just it's not up to legislation or fucking the government it's just like yo people to people mm -hmm. human to human connection talking about it openly like we did at a party and in the most unlikely, it's like that I Rihanna wish I had song. I a recorder at that party. Dude, it's like shit. that Rihanna shit. Like, I fell in love in a hopeless place. It's like, yeah, that's exactly. the, it's like everywhere is the right place to be open about what's going on, you know? And it gets worse when you have anxiety and you're anxious and you're in a situation where you don't feel like you can express how anxious you are to anyone because you feel alone and isolated. Mm -hmm. And when you can just be able to break down that barrier and communicate, suddenly you're okay. For a moment, you know, and, and that's that, what I think needs to be done. On that note, we'll wrap up. Uh, Davey Detail, thank you. Uh, Circle.com, C-Y-R-C-L-E.com. It's really wonderful stuff. Uh, D is there Twitter or anything, that Instagram? What's Twitter? Yeah, fair enough. All right. It's a place where Instagram. you work on it for a <laughs> no, while. I, know. I saw that you had Twitter, and but uh, you have a reason to have it. Yeah, I'm a comedian. Uh, I have to do that shit. Yeah, just circle for everything. Circle, C-Y-R-C-L-E. Mm -hmm. Take a look, check it out. And uh, now my dog is bothering both of us, so I think <laughs> it's time to go. Thank you. Thank you. All right, there you have it. That's episode one done in the can. Thank you again to Davey Detail for being with us. Uh, if you'd like to contact me, you can email us at uh, it's all in your head podcast at gmail.com. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at in your head pod. You can get us on Instagram at uh, it's all in your head podcast. Uh, there are so many ways to reach out. 
But please, let me know any thoughts, uh, concerns, anything at all. I'm more than willing to listen. Um, Davey, as I said, you can find him at uh, Circle, C-Y-R-C-L-E, everywhere on the internet. What was I going to say? I had one last thing to tell you before I let you loose. Oh, yeah, please rate the podcast on iTunes. Subscribe. It helps a lot. Share with your friends if you liked it. And uh, come back next week, next Monday. Uh, we've got uh, comedian Leah Knauer. She's a very funny stand-up. We talk about stand-up comedy, Los Angeles, and what it's like to be a woman in the comedy community. It's a good episode. I'm excited for that one. That's right. So uh, it's all in your head. New episodes every Monday because that's when I see my therapist. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week. It's all in your head.